summer comes to a close, we're back with another conversation on the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Casey. Today's conversation is with a previous guest, Andrew Robin, who wrote a great book, Tapa's Life, which lays out a very practical way to think about your next chapters. You'll find a link to our earlier conversation in the show notes. But today's conversation is about catching up with Andrew and seeing what he's learned and what he's doing now in the two years since we first spoke with him and what his tapas life is like today. Andrew Robin was born in Chicago and raised in Mexico City. He holds a BA in computer science from the University of Texas at Austin and an MBA from Harvard University. He was an entrepreneur with his dad in the computer industry in the early 70s in Mexico City. His dad had moved the family there from Chicago to pursue an opportunity. And he was in the semiconductor industry for 22 years. He was a house dad from 2002 to 2007 until his wife, Carol, and Andy's youngest went off to college. Today, he lives a very active tapas life. And that includes a lot of cooking, taking care of the house, condo, travel planning, finances, classical piano, some golf, and board work with his synagogue, and also a variety of business-related and fun activities in San Francisco and the Silicon Valley. And I think it's also interesting to note that this was not a quick thing. This is based on his own experiences. It took him, I believe, if I recall correctly, four and a half years to really create this life. And he wrote the book, Tapa's Life, to share the framework, the principles, and to do some good for others. Andrew, thanks so much for rejoining us. Great to be here with you again, Joe. Great to have the opportunity to talk with you again. And for listeners who didn't hear our first conversation way back in 2021, how did you develop your tapas life? And why did you choose to write a book about it? Well, after a bunch of years working in as a tech exec, my wife and I swapped roles, which we had agreed to do before we got married, because we each wanted to be at-home caregivers of our kids. And she went back to work, and I had the kids for five years till our youngest went to college, and then I found I needed a life. I tried some half-time work, and it turned out to be too invasive on my newfound freedom. And I don't know, I just, I dabbled. I, after a while, I started taking piano lessons, something I always had wanted to do. And then I started accreting other things, an occasional tennis game, some volunteer stuff. And after a while, I realized that I had this neat collection of things in my life. Somebody met me on the street and said, Andy, you look good. What are you up to these days? And, and I said, oh, my goodness, I'm living my tapas life. And there it was, the, just like the little dishes of Spain. Lots of little things instead of the huge porterhouse steak and baked potato crowding off everything else on the plate. And when this records, the vast majority of my family will be in Spain, except me. I'm staying back to man the fort, hold on the fort and take care of dogs and other things, other commitments. But they'll be enjoying uh, tapas meals. So it's a great, great metaphor. <laughs> Catch us up. What tapas does your life today consist of? Well, of course, I have my anchor tapas. Namely, I'm, I'm a husband and a dad, and my wife is a worker bee. She's uh, still working at her interpersonal work, which she loves. And we always tell her, don't stop, because I think she'd drive us all crazy. She's got too much energy to stop. 
I'll do a shameless plug for her book, Connect, by Carol Robin, which she's sold something like 70,000, 80,000 copies of, mostly in hardback, in about 14 languages at this point, about better relationships. So I'm her, I'm her life support system and a chef and, and sommelier and travel administrator. And I manage our finances and do anything I can for anybody in the family. So that's my anchor activity. Then in addition, play about an hour and a half of classical piano every day, which I love, is my flow activity. When I'm doing that, an hour and a half feels like 10 minutes. It's like, really? That was an hour and a half? So I, I love that. I exercise. So we moved, since I think you and I last spoke, we moved from Silicon Valley to San Francisco. Yes, as I recall, you did a trade. We did a trade with our son. So our son and his family are down there now. They're just completing, they think in October, a big remodel of the house. When we did the swap and moved to their cool condo here in the city, they asked if they could edit the place. And we said, you can do whatever you want to it. So having taken it back to the studs, it's now almost completed in a remodel. Quite an adventure for them. And they're expecting their second little boy in November. So it'd be great if they get moved back in in October. Here in the city, I have really enjoyed biking and walking everywhere. People say, aren't you terrified of biking in the city? And I'm like, no, you, you go on Google or Apple and they put you on all routes that have uh, bike lanes. And so it's, it's easy. And they let you know that you're going to run into hills, which we have a lot of here in the city. And that's okay. I keep getting encouraged by my peers to, or contemporaries to uh, get a, an electric bike. And I keep riding my eight speed and it's great cardio. And we live a block from the bay. I love to be by the water and I love to watch all the tourists coming and going and the runners. And we're near a pier where ships from the National Oceanic and Air and atmospheric administration come through and it's just a it's a cool place so that's a great tapa and i have a, a big new tapa since we last spoke i had been on the board of a nonprofit for a few years that has nearly a hundred million dollars in assets and the guy who was the head of it uh, died last year and uh, he tagged me and said you're going to be it and unfortunately, he didn't teach me anything about it. He uh, ran it as kind of a black box. And so he died. And then I had uh, six months of, as we say sometimes, all asses and elbows trying to figure out what to do. And there was some serious cleanup to do and just learning my way around and introducing myself to people. That was uh, six pretty beastly months. But by the beginning of May, that was pretty clean. And now it's just been running. We have quarterly meetings. We just elected a new board member to replace the late president just as a board member. And so that's, that's another addition to my meaningful tapas, along with my coaching work. My coaching work's a top. I, I cap it at, at five clients because it's not a career. It's a tapa. And right now I'm at four, and it's all by word of mouth, so I never go looking. Sometimes only three, but this thing was a lot of work for six months, and now it's down to a few hours a week, which is what I thought it would be. And so 
that's been a good addition. We give a lot of money to hunger and homeless and to education and seniors and teens and uh, stuff like that. And of your various tapas, which one are you having the most fun with these days? Yeah, I'd say the, the most fun, honestly, is being here in the city. So I've been exploring. I bought a few books about the city, and I've, I've been going around learning about history, learning about where the water line used to be, which is a little scary because a huge portion of the city is built on landfill. And that stuff doesn't do so hot in earthquakes, which we get our share of. But cultural stuff, learning about the Native Americans who lived here, were in the neighborhood of the Ramaytush, which meant the people of the West, part of the Ohlone group. And also checking out architectural history. It's an amazing building between us and Union Square that has this ridiculous lobby that's the most amazing mix of deco and Maya architecture. Hmm. You walk in there and you just stare at it. It's just almost no reaction you can have other than a big gape. So lots of cool stuff like that. And, and you know, also just biking the city is beautiful. There's so much to see. And I've, I've biked to Sausalito a few times for lunch and biked to Tiburon a couple of times for lunch. You know, it's just an amazing place. Glad to be here. Great city to, to bike in. I can picture you cruising down the Embarcadero. You bet. <laughs> great, great place to be. So one thing I learned from our first conversation is that not all tapas are forever. What are some tapas that you started but decided to move on from, and what did that teach you? Well, you know, it's kind of an interesting one. In my book, I talk about the need for exercise, and I talk about how I used to work out a couple times a week. And, you know, I actually dropped that here in the city. I'll still work out once in a while when it's rainy, but, boy, I love my walking and biking, and I get, I get to work on my proprioception with my piano playing and with my cooking and around the house. And so I get plenty of cardio from my walking and especially biking and hiking. There's a, uh, there's a mountain here in a city called Mount Sutro that has a huge broadcasting tower on it that looks like a big fork. And I've biked up there and hiked up there and there's plenty of cardio. So I decided I actually... The workout at the gym is a little boring, and so I replaced it with all these other physical activities. They all count, as you know. That they do. So what advice would you offer people listening who want to create their own tapas life? How do people best get started? Well, of course, like I talk about in my book, first you got to do the basics. So if you have uh, legal documents you need to do, do them you're walking around in test state or if you have money and have no no trust documents then get it done if you have no durable power of attorney for health care get it done don't uh, leave your kids with a mess and so do that first make sure you understand your finances what you can and can't spend so that's very basic make sure you're you know doing your annual physicals and seeing a doc when you're sick take care of yourself and eat healthy so that you can be around for a while in good health instead of being around for a while in bad health, which I can't imagine is any fun for anybody, the latter. So the basics. And then, you know, like I did with piano, start doing something you love. What's something you always wanted to do? 
Maybe it's something you did as a teen and loved it, or in college and loved it. Well, what if you went back to that? Or what if you have some friends who have some hobbies or things they do, and you've always admired or maybe even been a little jelly of them, and maybe it's a chance to try some of those things yourself. And as you and I have talked about, Joe, it doesn't matter if you try it and you're crappy at it. There's no downside here. It's not like because you tried it and it didn't work out, you can't pay your mortgage and feed your family. There's no cost. It's a great time of life. You can do the big fail. It doesn't matter. In that case, you just mine it for learning. Okay, well, I learned it. I didn't like that. Well, here's the parts of it I did like. Here's the parts I didn't like. And that'll inform the next thing you do. But when you take on something new at this age, you don't expect to be a world champion at it in 10 minutes. Be prepared to have to invest some time in it and work at it. My first four years of piano lessons were pretty tough. And now I'm 19 years in and I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And it's just sheer joy. After those four years, it got progressively easier and more enjoyable. And so it was a big investment up front. But man, I love it. Good things take time. There's always that learning curve. There is. And, and it need not just be one. You can try one thing. You can try two things. If you like it, do more of it. If you don't like it, let it go. Try something else. And I'm so glad you brought up those points about not getting it in 10 minutes, because I find sometimes when people do try something new in this next phase of life, they haven't been bad at something for quite a while if they were focused on their career. And often they're very good at their job. They're an expert in their field. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> you're doing something that invariably not going to be good at out of the box. So it requires that thing I hear about called patience. Exactly. It's a new phase. And, and you have the time for it too, right? Unlike your busy years and your salad days, as Shakespeare put it, what else are you going to do? You've got some time to invest in it. It takes more than pickleball for a great retirement. Be intentional about your next phase. Design it. We have a great group forming for the fourth Design Your New Life and Retirement small group coaching program, which starts on September 21st. You'll find a link in the show notes. They'll give you all the information you need to register. If you've got plans for your next chapters, think about joining us. You'll be glad you did. So you mentioned before, one of your tapas is cooking. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you are, have been known to whip up. Well, of course, we were talking about tapas and your family in Spain. So one that I'm kind of known for and amongst family and friends is paella. I make a killer paella. I, I hunted long for just the right chorizo. I make it with chorizo and some chunks of chicken and some chunks of swordfish lambs and mussels and peas. And I, I take some giant prawns and I cook them separately in garlic and olive oil and a little bit of cayenne pepper and adorn the top of it with those at the last minute. And people don't seem to object strenuously to it, especially when I serve it with a good Rioja wine and then they're happy. <laughs> Well, I hope there's a recipe section in your next edition of Tapas Life. <laughs> I get all mine off the internet. I, I have a, I guess, some sort of a talent for 
looking at 10 recipes and saying, oh, I think I use this part of this one and this part of this one and cobble it together. So your approach to a tapas life makes a lot of sense. Focus on the basics first, get the fu- fundamentals down, have those anchor tapas that are most important to you, and then go out and experiment with some of the things that either you know you love to do or would like to try. What have you seen, though, are some of the mistakes that people should be looking to avoid? And you, you just used the word. You said should. Hmm. Right? So these are all choices. Right? And people have in their head, well, I really should do this. And that usually doesn't end well. They're usually trying to please somebody in their life, whether living or dead, through this action. and. That doesn't work. So I have a section in my book where I recommend the VIA character strength survey as a way to create a template for one of the things that they call them character strengths. I say they're things that give you juice. I have a coaching client who says they're his vitamins. It gives you a rank order one to 25. Take your top three or four. And if something you're contemplating taking on is something that's going to give you those top things, you're probably going to like it. And if it doesn't look like it's going to give you, so, give you those things, ask yourself, wow, is this a should I'm looking at instead of a choice I'm making? And that's the shoulds are, are good to avoid at this stage of life. And it's a reminder for me, I should stick to my script. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We can range around, Joe. <laughs> there you go. It was my tapa for today. My podcast tapa. So. Many of our listeners are not in a relationship, but many of them are. For those who are, what advice would you offer couples about crafting a tapas life? Well, I think the big thing, you know, not just with regard to tapas, but with regard to life in general, is say you've been together for a number of decades and one or both of you have been working uh, full time at something busy and now you're not. First, maybe one of you isn't, maybe then both of you aren't. And now here we are at home. And you don't want to be at home cheek by jowl, right? You want to be home cheek to cheek. And so it it takes some exploration. It starts with, well, who am I now? Who are you now? The old uh, amusing or perhaps sardonic adage says that women marry men hoping they will change and they don't. And men marry women hoping they won't change, and they do. But the fact is, over these decades, we're usually different people than we were when we got together and had that first kiss that made our whole body go crazy. And so now it takes some exploration. Who am I now? Who are you now? And who are we now? And that takes, actually, conversation. And you can poke around on the web and find stuff that suggests questions you can ask each other in conversations. I point you to some of that in the book. If you want to go deep, you can get Carol's Connect book and go through the exercises. But it takes conversation, and it's another thing that doesn't happen in 10 minutes. It's an exploration that takes months. You need to find out, well, what do we still like about each other? What do we still like to do together? How do we still like to be together? Women like to talk about stuff by and large. And I'm going to say that this is a a gross generalization, but women generally like to talk and, and men generally like to do. But women will often 
have some things they like to do too, or will be accommodating. And guys mostly can actually learn to talk about stuff. And so what's it going to be for us? And how can we make that our modality? And what about having a date lunch every week or a date night every week? Or what about organizing? Who are the couples we like? Who would we like? What might our list be of people who we want to get together with? And who's going to organize you, you or me or both? And what are we going to do when we get together with them? And what about travel? Were there things that we always wanted to do, didn't have time for? Well, if we want to have travel, well, let's make our hit parade list and start figuring out what we want to do and, you know, what's our budget for it and when we're going to do it. And are we doing this with family, just ourselves, some of each? And so you've got this big, white sheet of paper in front of you to a good degree. And so as a couple, you can sort through those things. But again, it, it doesn't happen in one half hour conversation. It happens over a number of months. And, and you learn and tweak it as you go, just like with anything. I wonder if you could share the story of how you and your wife came up with an idea with another couple to do these mystery weekends, adventures. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was a different couple that I wrote about in the book. It wasn't my wife and me, but we have done these things. Okay. And I loved it. I interviewed a number of people when I wrote the book to see what were their experiences. And this couple, they said that they had another couple who they liked, and they made a deal to once a month, they would alternate, and one couple would be in charge of a mystery weekend. And it had to be within a three-hour drive of where they all live. and the couple in charge would find a place to go, find a place to stay, find some things to do or see or what was there, where to eat. They would figure out the whole deal. And on Friday afternoon or Friday evening, they'd take off and, and they'd go there. And the other couple was clueless. And they would, the couple in charge would say, you better pack something warm or you better pack a bathing suit or whatever. And they'd go there and they'd get there at night after it was dark out so there wasn't much to see and then the next morning they'd get up and enjoy the day saturday and overnight and sunday morning and brunch and head home and i thought it was super creative uh, these happen to be people here in the bay area where there's a lot to do within a three-hour drive so that it helps if you have that but you know wherever you are you can find things to do within a drive or or make it five hours if it's where you are or or decide to, if you want to, hop on a plane and do it. But, it, you know, it's fun and it, it shakes things up and, and keeps it interesting. Great idea. So what's one new tapa you're thinking about adding? I've thought about adding several tapas, and none of them have really grabbed me. And the fact is, I have a pretty decent life right now with the tapas I have. And whenever I get to thinking about a tapa, I'm worried that I'm going to leave myself without enough blank space. And so I've been reticent to start any. If I did start one, it would probably be to try to find a French conversation group. Because for years, I've been trying to learn French online. But I never advanced too far without having people to sit and talk with. But whenever I think about it, I think, I don't know. One thing I would like to add, though, is here in the city, 
unlike down in Silicon Valley, I don't, I don't have any guy friends to knock around with. I haven't met any of those. Although here in the building, we have uh, wine and cheese socials in our courtyard sometimes. And two socials ago, met a woman who's a, an attorney whose husband died. And we were chatting, and she likes to explore the city too. So we made a pact to go exploring together. And we're going on our, then she traveled, then I traveled, and now we're here, and, and next Monday, we're going exploring. Because it's, it's nice to have something to, somebody to do something with, and I would do it with my wife, but she has long COVID. She's in her 14 month of long COVID, and we have to practice pacing very rigorously, so she can only do things for an hour and a half or two hours at a time. And she can only do maximum about 3,000 steps. And that's pretty limiting. So we walk to the water together, which is about a 2,000-step round trip. And that's nice. Or we take the tram over to the ferry building and people watch and have a snack. And that winds up being about 3,000 steps to and from the trams. But to go exploring doesn't really work. So hopefully this other woman from the building will turn out to be a good pal. And quite honestly, I looked at her at, at the social and I said, look, I'm not hitting on you. I'm a happily married guy. My wife's got long COVID and she can't explore with me. And from what I hear, you like to do stuff like that. So you want to just be a friend and pal around together exploring? And she said, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Well, it sounds like fun. And one last question, if I could. What would you say are the biggest benefits of creating a tapas life? Well, the, the biggest benefit in, in my mind, Joe, is that say that you're through with your long career in your 60s and you're in good health and you eat well and you do some exercise and you may, may be around for 25 or 30 years. What are you going to do? Watch the grass grow? So, yeah, I have no beef with people who say I'm going to start a second big career or I'm going to go run some other organization or whatever, that's fine. That's good if that's for you. And I'm fine with people who join some a large volunteering thing that occupies a ton of their time. And so they put on another big thing. But you know, the world's an interesting place. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of different things to do and lives to live and places to see. And it's like, wow, you've been decades doing a thing, and some family if you've got it. And this is just a huge opportunity to, to move from eating a burger and fries at every meal to going to the smorgasbord or buffet and trying out and, and tasting all the cool stuff there is in life. And you may have a hard time imagining it or, or imaging what it may be or you may be a little frozen thinking, wow, well, how do I get started? And I don't even know what I like anymore. Give it time. Decompress for six months or a year. Or in my case, it took a year and a half after my executive career. And just give it a shot. Like I said, failing doesn't matter. Try it. You like it, do it some more. You don't like it, stop doing it. Learn something from the event. So the biggest thing is, is enjoying more of of life and the world and enjoying more of people. You can probably go deeper with people you like. 
And there may be people you wanted a relationship with, perhaps relatives who you never had enough time for, or friends you never had enough time for, and maybe now you go deeper on that. So there's a lot to savor. So that, that I think, is the big thing. The second thing is just to create a calendar that's flexibly the way you like it. So some people like a lot of structure, and I talk in my book early on, after you've done the basics, put some structure in place even a little, or you really feel adrift and it can get depressing to wake up in the morning if you got no structure. It can be as little as, okay, in the morning I look at some email, I maybe read some news or, or do some exercise, or once a week I take out the garbage, or once a week I have lunch with a friend. Put in some structure, but you can create a very flexible life with the amount of structure that's right for you. I remember interviewing a CFO who had completed his long career, who said that he averaged three and a half activities a day. Well, you leave it to a CFO to calculate that, right? But this is a guy who clearly liked a lot of structure. I might average three activities a week that are structured. I mean, my big structure item is every other Saturday I do the laundry, and every other Saturday I water the orchids. <laughs> So you make a flexible life the way you want it. That flexibility can be very valuable, very appealing to many people. So, and Andrew, thank you for taking the time to talk with us again. And I think your concept, your approach is very, very useful for many people. Thank you very much, Joe. It's great to see you again and keep doing the good stuff you do, sir. Thank you. It's time for takeaways. A few ideas where you can take today's conversation and put some things into action. Number one, what might your tapas life look like? Make a list. Start with those anchor tapas that Andrew mentioned, those building blocks, and then add some things that you think you may be really interested in pursuing or trying. Keep in mind that that may include some things, as he noted, that you used to do and got away from. What are some things that it might be time to add back into the mix? And also keep in mind his suggestion to take a look at things you know other people do. What are some things that you... Think, boy, that may be fun, that may be interesting, that may be challenging. What are some things from that list that you could jump in and get involved in? Number two, tapas don't have to be forever. I think this is one of the key things in this model is you can try things, but you don't need to stay with them forever and ever. If it's not right, it's not working, you can move on. That's in contrast to your working life where you may need to stick with it and failure had consequences. Here, it's time to Recognize it and try the next one. And number three, what new or different thing are you interested in trying? I think this is one of the key things. Put something new in the mix. What's that likely to be for you? Make a list of what's possible. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. The mission here is to help you retire smarter by giving you access to various ways in which you could think about crafting your next chapters. You can find all of our conversations at our website, retirementwisdom.com. Hope you'll subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.